Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Science of Pokemon. I am Veteran Lucas, and with us, as always, is Professor Collins. How you been, Professor? You know what? We are actually, to be honest, we're a little bit more well-rested than we were last time. Um, though still not perfect, because, you know, it's a busy week, and babies still... Uh, you know, they never, you know, they're, they're always, uh, energy and time consuming. <laughs> All right. Well, don't worry. We can help you out with that. Um, it's because your birthday is coming up real soon. Yay. We are going to go ahead and let you pick the topic this time. I've done a lot of them already, so it's your turn now. You can talk about almost anything you want. Oh man, we can't talk about racism in the Pokemon world. No, we cannot talk about racism in the Pokemon world. Got enough red flags on me as it is. Aww. All right, well, then we're going to do economics. Pokenomics, not to be confused with Freakonomics, the hit-selling book. Let's talk about how what makes the Pokemon world go round. Honestly, after hearing that, I kind of want to talk about racism. <laughs> no, in, in, in all seriousness, when I took economics in high school, I was so bored, I was literally playing poker and blackjack. And that is, like, anti-economics. Well, I mean... I mean, technically, that is economics. Economics is the study of how we make choices and why people decide to do things. You decided that based upon an opportunity cost that it was more worth your time to play poker than to listen to your teacher. And don't get me wrong. I mean, there is the stereotype that economics, is at, at, in high school especially, you know, you get the teacher... In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of... Anyone, anyone, the Great Depression, passed the, anyone, anyone, the tariff bill, hoot, ah, oh, I said hoot, sorry, Smoot-Holly Tariff Act, I said hoot, that's funny, no, yeah, Smoot-Holly, that's a fun thing to talk about, especially because it ties into modern tariffs, yay, but for legitimately, let's talk about economics, because I didn't enjoy economics in high school either, I'm not gonna lie. But economics is this really important, over-encompassing field that talks about the way things work and why people make choices the way they do. And if we look at the Pokemon world and look at all of the things happening in it, I think it's a great chance to study our own world and reflect on it, too. I don't think that this needs to be a boring discussion. I think there's a lot of cool stuff here for us to talk about. And honestly, looking back at our mishap last Thursday, it ties in perfectly to this discussion. I have bad internet because I live in a county where a monopoly exists. I cannot get another internet provider. I am not able. And because of that, we have data caps. We have low internet speeds. There is no need for that company to improve. That's a monopoly. And so these are economic topics. They're, they, they play into our real world. All right, well, you have a roughly 30-ish minutes to convince me and everybody else <laughs> listening. But Let's I'm very sure I'm going to be the one who pays for it. Cue the music. Yes. So I guess I should start by asking what exactly is economics? Because just like any science, you want to make sure you clarify what exactly it studies. Okay, so economics is a social science just like psychology, like sociology, um, even history. So, But it studies essentially um, goods and services. So it's studying how things are produced, how they're distributed, and how they're consumed. Um, economics focuses on behavior and interactions 
of players within any given any given field. So we're looking at producers, we're looking at individuals who buy, we're looking at companies, corporations, and we're looking at governments. And then we're looking at how those interactions work. And even now, we're looking at why those interactions happen or the effects or ripple caused by those interactions too all right so with something like this with any science you have to be able to break it down like is there any specific way you study economics do you just tackle it head on are there multiple different theories on it so there are there are hundreds of schools of thought um some of them are minor and they're not even worth mentioning there are several major and we'll talk about those later um or we'll try to find time um but you know, really, we're going to talk. We're going to talk about the two main subfields that people should at least be aware of right here, because there are two big subfields, um, and we're not going to talk about my favorite, which is behavioral economics. But we're going to talk about micro and macroeconomics. So, microeconomics is a bottom-up approach. So, you're looking at the small pieces from the bottom, so individuals, the interactions, uh, individual production, and how those form, and how those affect the market as a whole. So we're looking at the items that are created or the services that are, are done, and then we're seeing how those affect the economy. So we're looking from the bottom, the very big, the starting point, where macroeconomics is the opposite. You're looking from the top. You're looking at the economy and looking at how well growth is happening, um, employment, and you're trying to, f our, our value of dollars, and you're looking at it from the top and trying to figure out the the interactions that have caused this all right okay so can you give a better example to somebody who again played blackjack in economics class <laughs> okay so um let's talk about uh let's talk about the oceans all right all right so let's say we're talking about the ocean macroeconomics is going to be us looking at ocean health overall so we're going to say oh okay as a whole oceans are more uh acidic we're gonna go okay that's something that we can study as a whole. Or we would look at, for macroeconomics, it'd be like saying, oh, there is less amount of biodiversity in the ocean today than there was 40 years ago. Those are things that we can look at as a whole. Those are big picture items. Microeconomics is gonna be looking at the individual species that may have caused that. So we'll go, oh, well, this one particular species of shrimp is not reproducing properly. And we're trying to figure out why, and then the effects of that irregular reproduction. All right. Well, way to go speak in my language. Oceans are the best biome. Everyone <laughs> should know that. Water types for the win. Filthy land dwellers. Team Aqua had it right all along. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So most of people who are listening probably know something about economics just because it's all over. You have your... You have your people who the old communist ways you have the socialists you have good old murica capitalism is there can you break that down like because I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's more to it than that well so those are those and those are those are more um schools of thought and we'll talk about some schools of thought here later um because there are there are a lot of schools of thought so we're not even going to talk about some of my favorite like keynesian or the chicago school of thought but we're going to talk about economic systems to get us started so economic systems um are essentially the main ideas of how economies operate. So we have, there are typically three main uh, economic systems, but I'm going to argue there's a fourth um, because we really need to argue the fourth. And unfortunately, the only reason we need to argue the fourth is because 
uh, the definition most Americans would put on it, um, <laughs> which we will also mention later. Um, so let's talk about the, what those four are. So we have traditional, command, market, and mixed. So a traditional economic system is, wait for it, it's one where tradition Audible gasp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is like essentially where they're, they're not dynamic. They don't change. It's where things are very static. Um, people don't have a lot of mobility. There's not a lot of um, financial growth, but behaviors are really predictable. You know what you're supposed to do. You know who to trade with. You know what to expect from the local store owner down the shop, down the street, whatever. You know, these are small knit communities. These are the traditional systems that people founded local economies with. So if I, like, say, caught some fish and traded them for some medicine, that would be just the barter economy. That's exactly, yeah, and that's essentially what it is. These, so when I look at the reason I like economy now, or economics now, as an adult, is because after studying psychology for years and, and, and neuropsychology and cognitive psychology and understanding how the brain changes and evolves, it really got me thinking as how does our perception or ideas of, of what trade should look like evolve? And so you know, this I just thought happen. of something. Yeah. Like I just thought of an even better example for traditional traditional economy is like trading Pokemon cards. Each card has its deemed value, and you're trading no. with different no. people. No, no, that's market. That's market? Yes, I'll explain later, but that's market, okay. actually. That's 100% oh. market, because the value is going to change. Oh, okay. Traditional, I is, traditional is very set. My two apples are always going to be worth three oranges, no matter what. Okay. Boom. Yeah. No, traditional is village economies. Okay, so gotcha. These are the basic way humans interacted for most of human history. Okay. So command economies. This is the... the the, another one to talk about. Um, this is where governments plan the economy. The government controls the economy. The state decides, you know, who can do what, how to allocate resources, what to produce. Um, they regulate things like wages and prices, and they control what people can and cannot do. All right. So that's what is that like? Communism? Um. So communism would be the school of thought here, but a command economy is the type of economy. Okay. Yes. But, I mean, speaking just for, for most people, yeah, that's what people associate this with. Yes. Okay, gotcha. So the third type, which is the big one for most people here, is market economy. Market economies are where decisions are made by individuals. This is why I said your Pokemon card example doesn't work. Because, as an individual, I can then change and decide how much I value an individual card. The price of my card is not predictable because maybe one day I'm really, really sentimental for my Blastoise and now it's going to be worth more. And so market economies are about choice. They're about individuals choosing how to use their own resources. I will say that this is not, that there's, there's very few examples of what is called a pure market economy. And a pure market economy is the government is completely absent from economic affairs. The government has no oversight. Okay, yeah, because from a scientific perspective, especially in biology, usually when someone says, oh, it's a pure breed or a pure metal, it's not always the best. Pure sodium explodes in water, and a yes. pure bead pug isn't exactly in the best health. No, so yeah, it's just like genetics here, um, and which is going to get us to the fourth type, which is mixed. But I do want to note for pure uh, economies, this is not what 
America has. America is technically not a market economy, and I'm going to explain why. While definitions of market economies have changed, America would be what we consider now to be a mixed economy. So a mixed economic system combines elements of market and command systems. So it's like, like with genetics. You're right. If we only interbreed, you know, you're going to have health problems. So we have to mix genetic pools to have resilience. So if we mix economic systems, there's more resilient to the larger economies. And this is the thing. As we move from traditional economies to having more interactions with, you know, first city states, now the globe, we need some control. And so that's where the government comes in. So the government does help with some allocation of resources and distribution, but people have the freedom to make choices. And that's why it's a mixed economy. So the United States today, like most advanced, like most industrialized nations, is a mixed economy. Alright! Okay, so I think I get most of the systems, so after think seeing all these systems, which one is Pokemon? Like, what economics well, do these people use? Let's get into it. Okay, so you want to know what kind of system the Pokemon world is. I'm going mean, to argue... I, yeah. I was going to say, is it some kind of... You know, honestly, there's so much into this game, and economics are the last thing I look at, so you tell me, what do you think it is? I'm going to argue that it's either uh, some sort of socialist culture, or a mixed system, essentially. Um, there socialist? Is... Like Sweden? Yeah. Alright, yeah. fair enough. So, I mean, government clearly provides some regulations and oversight in, these, in this world, but here's the kicker. There is choice. <laughs> the Pokemon world, we know that government would need to exist to subsidize many of the large events because otherwise the cost would be too astronomical to put on these large events so real quick let's look at our own world for examples where we see like sports stadiums they're subsidized by local taxpayers which is socialism if you don't believe me let's look at the um the nrg stadium at, at, at houston the cost of taxpayers to have the stadium was 30 million dollars so when I see the anime and the comics, the Pokemon world has these large-scale sporting events, it leads me to believe that there has to be some sort of subsidies paying for this. So this doesn't make the Pokemon world a state of communism, though, but it does show some form of socialism. And while Adam Smith, the founder, or the, one of the heads of modern capitalism, believed that government should exist to benefit the public, I don't think he did have, you know, I don't think he was thinking about sports complexes. Um, parks are another great example here. We could argue that, based upon the true definition of capitalism that Smith created, he said that governments exist to provide benefit to the public, that the money that they should spend or the interactions that they have within the economic system needs to benefit the public. It's a big part of the wealth of nations that apparently the some of uh, our politicians had missed. Um, I'd argue that under the American definition, this would make it socialist, though, I mean, I don't think the rest of the world would agree. Americans kind of tend to be a little bit more right on the political spectrum than the rest of the world. But I think of like Amity Park or the Liberty uh, Garden. These had to be paid for by someone and they're free. So most likely I'd argue that these were tax dollars. All right. Um, we also see free public transportation in Kalos and in Johto. You know, I mean, if this doesn't fit the perception of socialism, I don't know what does. I mean, even if you look in um, Alola, they have the free bu the bus system. No, wait, actually, that bus system you have to pay. Yep. Okay, yeah. So there, are, like, there's a mix of uh, throughout all these different regions. But uh huh, which I would think... make it a mixed system and socialist. 
Alright, so I do want to ask, like, and it's definitely one of those things that pops up a lot in our political discord and a lot in our world. What is the difference between socialism and communism? It's something that gets in a lot of people's faces. It's something, it's, some of these are even buzzwords depending on where you live and the political spectrum. It's either seen as the best thing in the world or the worst thing in the world. Like, okay. Can you make it easier for us? So socialism is an economic system only, and it seeks to achieve um, not necessarily equality, but... Um, like egalitarian-esque ideals. It's not looking for everything to be the same, but it's looking for it to at least be fair. Does that make sense? Okay. Communism, on the other hand, is an economic system and a political ideology mixed. So that's why I said it's a school of thought here. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it advocates that there needs to be no classes, no, um, you know, no hierarchy, and that essentially there needs to be... Um, everything is kind of standard. It's a really extreme form of what some people would say is socialism. It's super, super extreme. Okay. Um, So they both adhere to the principle that the economy should be, have oversight from the public. Remember, the government is the public here. We're not talking about dictatorship. We're talking about public. So they differ, however, in the management. So in socialism, people themselves decide through Um, elected officials and communes how the economy should work. Hmm, sounds like where we live. People make decisions. They vote for people who then make the other decisions. And in socialism, or sorry, in communism, the other hand, all decisions are made usually through a single authoritarian party. So um, it's different because in socialism, the, uh, the decisions are made by the many, where in communism, the decisions are made by the few. So when people point out the socialism of Venezuela, it functions more like communism because it's pretty much held by a dictator. Yes. Okay. A hundred percent. Those people do not understand the difference here. And part of that is because in America, us being so far right, we've changed definitions that the rest of the world accepts. Okay. Yeah. Um, Now, there are views of these that kind of intertwine. I mean, they both believe that, you know, goods and services... Um, need to have oversight. But socialism, again, believes in that free choice. They believe that individuals should have control. Socialism believes that, you know, people should be kind of rewarded based upon their productivity. Communism believes everyone is rewarded the same, essentially, which is very, very different. There are no wealthy people, nor no poor people in communism. None. Socialism does not have that. There's still hierarchies. It's just the goal here is to have it more fair, more balanced. Does right. that make sense? It makes sense that that's the goal, but then isn't like the downside something like higher taxes in some cases? Yeah, but I mean, even in countries with high taxes, I look in Europe and I have friends all over Europe. Um, those countries that do have high taxes, they provide more services and cost of living tends to be lower. Okay. So it ends up balancing out. I think that's the big thing to look here is that the there's a human intervention in socialism where people can take control of progress on their own. People can be progressive. They can make change by demanding it. Communism is completely opposite. You know, whatever is stated is going to happen. Gotcha. So there is no freedom. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So... Here's another thing, though. In the Pokemon world, we have public education. We've seen oh, it. Yeah. Like yeah. We, the Pokemon schools, which I never attended because I don't need no school. <laughs> so 
Again, we come back to the argument of Adam Smith's definition versus what the common American definition is of capitalism. Adam Smith, in the book, The Wealth of Nations, argues that, you know, there should be some public oversight and some public expenditure on things that benefit the public, which would be like public schooling. Mm-hmm. Um, which, but for this, this, is, this really is a socialist idea. I mean, you're subsidizing a public expense. And so this kind of falls into why I think it's a mixed economy. You do clearly have some things that are subsidized, but you still have things that are not. Okay. So, so yeah, go ahead. So, like the, so for the example, like another stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, so another stadium would be a little bit more, would be more, would be, would, bleh, bleh, would, a stadium would be sometimes, sub, would not, would need to be subsidized. It has to be. So, yeah. So let's look at like the cost of tax taxpayers here. So let's you know, despite the fact that uh, a lot of football teams have huge profits, their owners make huge profits. Let's just look at like, like let's talk about oh uh, the Minnesota U.S. Bank Stadium. So you know, built for the Super Bowl of 2018, the cost of taxpayers for this stadium is around 500 million dollars. These are subsidies that the public pays for. Let's look at the Pokemon World with the big events. You know, these need to have money coming from somewhere. And even in the anime, you know, we see the Pokemon League treated almost as like an Olympic event. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, the Olympics are highly subsidized by cities and taxpayers. In fact, most host uh, communities, they end up losing money. They don't make a profit. I can the speak to you. It's, yeah, I can speak to you as someone whose family is from Brazil. Yeah, that's kind of how it is. FIFA is even worse in that regard, but the Olympics functions very much the same. Yeah, I mean, the cost for the venues are so high, it outweighs the revenue the local community brings in. So there has to be, you know, tax and public intervention. And I would argue that you would need that for the, the Pokemon world. Um, they, on the balance, yeah. though, with the Olympics, uh, just to get a little topics, some of the American cities that held them were able to fix some of that cost, or subsidize that cost by using older stadiums. Yes. Yeah, right. it just depends. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'd look at is the fact that I personally, from my observations, think that a lot of people don't work in the Pokemon world. I mean, <laughs> you have some essential jobs. I mean, I see where you're coming from, but you have like essential jobs. So you have like the shipyards in the Hoenn region, yeah. and you have like the, the garbage collectors in the Alolan but, region. Think about how many people are at their house during the day. <laughs> that is true. I mean, some of them I are mean, like family. Ash's mom, Satoshi's mom, is always home. Oh, I mean, she kind of is, isn't she? Yeah, like where, where where's her money coming from? Where's her income coming from? I mean, have you seen Pallet Town in the game? There's no one else to go. There's nowhere else to okay. go. There's Gary's so, house, the professor's is, house. That's it. And this is why I'd argue that there has to be some sort of socialism here because it hasn't affected output or production in the Pokemon world. If if you look at countries where you know you've seen people who don't, you see where people are unable to work. And you see that there is no um, government support. You know those people go without resources. But clearly, the people of the Pokemon world aren't dying of starvation. Yeah, no, they're they're living. And the biggest thing that makes this not a communist paradise: people have choice. Mm-hmm. And there is wealth disparities. Look at the Pokemon Mansion in, in Diamond and Pearl. Compare that to Green's house. Uh. His house is tiny in comparison. So clearly there's choice here. You know, you can buy herbal healing remedies. You know, there's not the government saying you could only buy potion. You can buy berries. You could grow your own. You know, you're not forced 
to rely on the public health care of the Pokemon Center. I mean, you have a choice. You do have a choice, but like when it comes to like the hospital selection, it's either the Pokemon Center or the Pokemon Center. It's either the Pokemart when buying like certain Pokeballs, but I guess you could you could argue that you can go to like a Pokeball maker in places like Johto. Yeah, there's there's at least some choice. Well, the Pokeball is different. We'll talk about it later. That's a monopoly. All right. <laughs> All right, so we got to that part. Um, what else you got? All right, let's go in. We got cool stuff here now. <laughs> okay, so now let's talk really in depth about like mechanics. Okay. Okay. So, um, I think of some the game as a great example for supply and demand. Don't you know supply and demand? Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's yes. the idea that that essentially. Uh, the price of an object is based upon how much someone has and how much demand or how much people want that object, right? So, Like when the price of a video game goes down over time. The demand went down, so the price is going to go down. Yeah. Or right. even easier, let's talk about Pokemon cards. Okay. You know, my, my Caterpie are worth a lot less than the Charizard. There's a lot of Caterpie because they're common. The Charizard's rare, so it's worth more. So supply, you know, kind of impacts the price as well. So when I think of this, though, I think of the great example being the buying and selling objects. And when you're buying an object from a store in the game, you are the one with the demand. And so you're going to pay a higher price. When you're selling it, there's a low demand and the person you're selling it to already has a bunch. Like, if you're selling the potion back to the Pokemon, they're going to be like, well, I already have 5,000. Why do I want yours? Here's 200. Leave me alone. But if you're buying it, they're like, oh, no, no, this is 500. This is how much you need to pay. Gotcha. It's like supply and demand. I also think of the price of rare items. So think about the fossils you dig up versus the hardstone. I can go sell 1,000 hardstones, but they're worth nothing. But yeah, if I sell it's a fossil, rock. that's worth a lot more. Um, the other thing would be like bike shops. There's a huge oh, demand God. for bikes. We'll talk about bike shops in a little bit. But there's a huge demand, which is part of why the price can be what it what it is. Or slow poke tails. Think about Johto. Um, because there's a high demand, you know, they're like the in thing. The price is astronomical. Yeah, through, yeah that's why Team Rocket goes to such great lengths to cut them off. It's, yep. They're not doing it because they're jerks. The Team Rocket runs purely for profit. Or the gold Magikarp. Ooh, where they're, my favorite. They're, they're creating a demand. I'll sell you this magic card, but it's only 500,000 gold. And just yeah. because it's shiny. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it's expensive because the demand is perceived to exist. So I also want to talk about, though, why couldn't you survive as a Pokemon trainer? Ooh, ooh, is it because you're training monsters that can eat you so much, just so much as look at you or invade your dreams and eat your soul? No, it's, it's, because, it's, because, it's because you'd be dirt poor. Oh. So, so Poke Dollars is very clearly yen, Japanese yen. Anyone who argues differently clearly hasn't paid attention because in the original uh, incarnations of the game, Poke Dollars were yen. Just, that seems <laughs> pretty so, simple. And so essentially a hundred yen is the same as a dollar. Okay. So think about the early battles you win. You won 200 Poke Dollars. You essentially won $2.50. So essentially, even some of the bigger battles where it's like, you've won, you know, 20,000 Poke Dollars. You won 200 bucks. That's okay. Yeah, maybe you won 200 bucks against the Elite Four. But how often and how frequent does that happen? 
that's not enough to sustain yourself. I mean, if you think about it, what did the amulet coin do? Just make them feel more generous? Cough it up? <laughs> I feel like the amulet coin's just like actually a knife, like, nah, -uh. and moreover. <laughs> Give me more. It's like you're mugging them. Um, yeah, so, and essentially when we look at this, we look in the Pokemon world, most of the trainers are kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are, like, teenagers, but most of them are not adults. And the ones who are adults, those are the ones that you see, they're, like, veterans and professors. You know, gentlemen. They yeah, they clearly have other things that impact their lifestyle. Yeah, gentlemen, exactly. Like, you're clearly already wealthy, so this is, like, a hobby. Look at the gym leaders in the games and in the comics. They all have other jobs. Brock works at a museum. Erica teaches at a university. But then they're they, leaving a punk rock gym leader. Like, literally being a musician is more yeah. economically viable than this. Than being a Pokemon gym leader. That's exactly the fact, yeah. So, you really couldn't make enough money to survive. Yes, the Elite Four, you know, their payout's higher. But even looking at the Elite Four and the Champion, the, the argument I'd have here is that the Elite Four and the Champion would be kind of like if you won, like, the Miss Universe Award. Oh, okay. I mean, you're going to get money from donors and sponsors. And because we said this is subsidized, I'd argue that you probably get subsidies, too. Ooh. But, I mean, that's the only thing I can think of because <laughs> the amount of money an Elite Four member pays out, how are they making that money as a, as a Pokemon trainer? Everything we just discussed points to the fact that there would be no viable way to make that much money. Yeah, not much at all. I mean, okay, so just for the sake of fun, what would your second job be? You're a Pokemon trader and you're a... Uh, probably a professor. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I would just, I, I mean, I'd do it full time. I know no one else can do it. I'm going to be like the one pro football, the kid who thinks he's going to go pro and actually makes a pro. But this is different because pro Pokemon players, I mean, there's no like profession, in the games at least, there's not like, oh, this is the Johto Umbreons. That doesn't exist. Yeah, no, you, you got a point there. And so, and even if it did, that would require corporate sponsorship. Football players make good money because there's corporate sponsorship and because the teams themselves are, are um, I mean, they're a franchise. And gotcha. so people buy into the franchise. Interesting. So n no one in the Pokemon, like in no games, have you ever been able to be like, I want to pay to buy Cynthia's t-shirt. <laughs> no, but that's how it would need to work if it was like that. If it was like our world with, with athletes, you would need to be able to buy merchandise to match the people you're, you're essentially supporting. Uh, I think Brock is missing out of the major economic opportunity. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, so here's another thing I want to talk about, mm -hmm. especially because it ties into local or it ties into current economic problems. I feel like the Pokemon world represents a possible economic future. So bear with me here. So wait, are I we actually going to get Pokemon? Is it real? Can I start packing my bags? No. Oh, I feel like it represents automization. Okay. Be and, and just hear me out. Mm -hmm. So oh. in the Pokemon world, we often see that Pokemon do a majority of the work, that people are not doing work. Okay, let's talk about the Orbro mine, right? Mm-hmm. We see, like, Machop and Machamp in there digging stuff up. Of course they were. They're way better at it than a human is. Ah, and but, but, they're, but they're also Pokemon, so they're someone's pet, so they're not getting paid. Mm, that's true. I mean, Think they're getting paid in, like, food and shelter, and by shelter I mean a Pokeball. 
Okay, but think about power plants. You have like the Voltorbs and the electrodes powering it. We've even seen this in the, um, oh gosh, what was that? The, uh, the short anime, was it Evolutions? Oh yes, they had the Evolutions. Like, that, that was the one little short story and series where they had a Pokemon Yeah, where Lance went in and, and the Voltorb was powering the power plant. Yes, I remember that. All the electrodes yeah. were powering it. So like, there weren't any people. That's that's free labor, and you even see that in the Pokemon Center. You have like Chansey. So th th these free uh, labor are essentially providing us with resources and services and and, and electricity. Well, I would so I would argue that it wouldn't be technically free because there's no such thing as a free lunch. But you're right. You don't have to pay them a salary. You just need to feed them some poffin, and you're good. Yeah, it's it's so. I feel like this represents automation and the way that machines are changing the way we do work in the real world. Mm -hmm. Okay? So we've mentioned construction and power plants. Um, we, we also look at the fact that a lot of industry in these games are focused heavily on developing Pokemon objects. Look at Silphco and Devon. Um, they clearly build things that support uh, Pokemon. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they have all these different devices so, and gadgets so, and items. So, with that said, this is why I think this reflects an economy that the, we're moving towards. People are no longer doing the means of production and labor. Instead, we're developing tools that do the means of production and labor. All and right. so that's why jobs in the future are going to look so different than jobs 20 years ago. Because instead of working in a factory, we're going to develop the tools to upgrade the factory or develop the programs to oversee the factory. And I feel like the Pokemon world is a great representation of how this can be done right, because as we mentioned, we don't see anyone starving. Yeah, so, no, clearly no so clearly, clearly the, the governments of the Pokemon world have stepped in and supported it, which is why I said this is a mixed economy, because the governments have stepped in and said, here's how we can fix this without hurting people. Because there's clearly an increase in production without having the negative effects too. Oh, okay. I mean, I could definitely see where that comes from. So, like, the government would, like, pay... Pe would they do that one... I know there's an experiment going on where people are... With universal, universal income, yeah. Yeah, universal um, income. Um, I mean, that's a possibility. Um, the other thing could be, you know, job training, or even, essentially... And I think of this as, like, one of the greatest examples. I think of the Star Trek world, okay? Mm -hmm. Think about the automation in the Star Trek world. Look at data. Data took someone's job by existing. Yeah. <laughs> a human or an alien could have that job and get paid. Data doesn't need money. No, he does not. He's an android. He just needs a closet. Yes. But he took someone's job. But it doesn't look like anyone's hurting in that world. Because the governments of the Star Trek world have found a way to support people and ensure that everyone's taken care of in a way that no one feels left behind. That's I'd say that nice. it I'd say that that's what it looks like here that either through some sort of new job training or since there's a high use of tech that maybe people are able to work on their own or at home. Okay, very cool. So is yeah. there any other bit of economics that doesn't work out too well in the Pokemon world or there's still problems with it? It would sound pretty I'd utopian. Say, I'd say monopolies. Monopolies. Oh, you mean like that filthy bike shop man? So he charged a million for a bike. He deserves nothing. There, there are there are two different types of monopolies, and in one, and I'm just going to go through and roughly explain. So, in one way, you 
own all of the corporations that do the same thing. So it would be like if I owned all of the oil companies in the world. That's a type of monopoly. The other type of monopoly then is essentially you own all of the means of production. So you own the resources, the production, the distribution, you own all of them, which allows you to control all of the price. <laughs> we look at Silfco or Devoncorp, I would argue that they're pretty um, they're pretty directly monopolies. I mean, they Silfco is the company that makes all the Pokeballs. I mean, except for like one old man making them out of berries in a jo shack. Joto, yeah. <laughs> and even then, like he's clearly, I mean, the amount of money he's making is not a substantial amount. <laughs> he has to use 10-year-olds to get supplies for him. Yeah, so I, I, I'd really say that this is a, a real example of here of what um, a monopoly would look like. They own all the all of the productions, which is why you know you can't buy Pokeballs anywhere else. They're at PokeMarts. That's where you buy them at. Yeah, there's no, there's not even like a Poke shop. There's only Poke Marts. Like you don't have any real competition with them. So that's a monopoly on the distribution, then, correct? Yeah. So the other thing would be too is like is like let's talk about the prices of like the bikes <laughs> oh god no please but that's a monopoly here so that's kind of like what i said where i live um my my wife and i only have one choice for internet that's it and because of that they can charge us substantial amounts and give us really crummy service we only have one choice there's nowhere else to go that's the same with the bikes here. You only have one choice in every region. And if they want you to pay uh, a million Pokey dollars, guess what? You're going to pay a million Pokey dollars or win a voucher. Yeah, a million Pokey dollars or you don't have a bike. I mean, no wonder no wonder Misty's so angry at him. God. I mean, like, that, no, because let's think about it. That, that's, so we, let's convert that to yen to dollars. So a million, move two decimal places, so you're down to... Ten grand? Ten thousand. Ten thousand. Yeah, I mean, essentially, that's a ten thousand dollar bike. My God, I mean, Lance Armstrong wouldn't even buy it, even if he wasn't like a cheating scumbag. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, the the other thing I would think about too is, and you see this a lot in the real world, that if there was a monopoly, and we said that there was subsidies, so let's talk about like the Pokemon League. There's a possibility, as I said, that there's corporate sponsors in our world, right? Yeah. Well, in our world, the corporate sponsors are tend to be the ones who have ties to the economic rewards for the stadiums. Mm -hmm. So these are the people who directly benefit from the construction of the stadium. Wow. The people we're subsidizing. What if that was the true for like the Pokemon League? And Silfco owned the Pokemon League. Ooh. And yeah, I mean, essentially, you, that's that would mirror the world we live in here in America. You could also argue Team Rocket does that too. They own a part. They own a share of the Pokemon League because Team Ro Giovanni runs one of the gym leaders. Either he's using it to the front for business, but that means that any subsidy he's getting from the government is probably being funneled into criminal activity. That is some like anti-money laundering scheme. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, I definitely would say that the, the, the economy of the Pokemon world has some really cool things going. It looks like people are well taken care of. It looks like they've found solutions to automation, but clearly there's some problems too. All right, well, I'm glad to see it isn't totally utopian. Nothing more no, than protection. And I think that's the debate we have with mixed economies, is how do you find the perfect fit? Because no one in the world has found the perfect fit yet. So that's where we're at. All right. Well, this has been an awesome episode. I guess all that's left is to wrap it up. 
Yep, let's do it. Okay, so before we close here, uh, we have a five-star review from Overlord Run 777. Apparently, Yay! there was 776 other Overlord Runs. <laughs> Overlord 777 says, like the host, check the handbook while listening. Well, I don't think you can check the handbook during this episode, so challenge yeah. accepted. No, and uh, just one other announcement. Uh, we're still figuring out the details for our live episode. Uh, mm -hmm. If you weren't listening for it, we had some pretty massive technical failures on our part and that's on us and we want to thank you so much for your patience and listening to us uh some of you guys were joking in our on our page about how it's zuckerberg's fault and yes blame zuckerberg not us but um no we will give you the details for our live episode we still have it all ripped and out we have it all scripted we're ready to go uh but as soon as we get the um all the tech and stuff a hundred percent working we'll go ahead and we'll announce because we want you guys to be part of this and uh, we we want to make sure that we give you guys the best quality we can. If you have any suggestions, please let us know. While while we're both done with live videos and our own recordings, trying to have a live stream with both of us in separate parts of the world is new to us, so it's a little bit difficult to like get those things like right on track. But if you have any suggestions, or not only of Pokemon but for mediums, we'll take those. We we love hearing from you. Yeah, please do. Uh, and that's right, and did we mention we're easy to find on social media so that you can keep up to date on our announcements and join us when we are able to do the live episode? Yeah. Yeah. So we want to hear from you as we continue to grow. We want your input because we're smarter together than we are alone. So if you um, if you are a fan, please come follow us. Also, if you have like a Pokemon site or a Facebook group or anything of the sort and you wish to be a sponsor or support, please let us know. You know we'll announce you on air. We love having the support. And we want to build this community. We want to thank everyone who supported us so far and everyone who helped advertise the live event. Uh, despite the, the difficulties, we want to thank everyone. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, you can also contact us on Twitter at PokePonScience. Drop suggestions for episodes. Say hi. I'll be posting different pictures and fun science facts there. Um, so subscribe on uh, Pied, Podbean, 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 on I, or iTunes. Uh, stay up to date on each episode. Uh, give us a five star review. We'll, we'll read them. You know, we're trying to thank you guys here. Yeah, if that's anything too fancy for you, we got an email, pokescience at yahoo.com, if you just want to reply there. Obviously, you have some concepts of social media if you're here, but if you're more of an email person, I get it. So if you aren't an elderly MAGA supporter, you can also find us on our Facebook page, Poke Science, or the Science of Pokemon group on Facebook. Yeah, and we keep driving this home just because we want you guys to be a part of this. We yeah. love being, the whole reason we do this is because the Pokemon community is fun to talk to. And we loved having time. you guys talking to us while we were trying to get the stream working on Thursday. It, it, it was, was great to have. Yeah. yeah great. So again, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Collins. Everyone make sure to say happy birthday to Professor Collins. Yay. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Bye.